can take a few minutes here or we can just roll on too. Oh my. I I don't know how to tell you about it. It was um unless unless tell us about the wedding. It was in western France and we teased her. It's very the countryside was very similar to southern Iowa. And we said all this way, we could have done this in southern Iowa without the chateau and all of that. Um, they have one on the Mississippi. Um, I, I don't even know. It, it, we're going to have to show you pictures, okay? Um, it, there were about 50 guests that came in. And they were, all of us were housed in this chateau on Tuesday night and Wednesday night. The wedding was Wednesday afternoon. Um, and just, uh, just the grounds and everything were just incredibly immaculate. And um, yeah, it went really well. And like I said this morning, it was it was a joy to share the gospel and rejoice in His design and love. And um, we're going to have to show you pictures. Marilyn's got Marilyn and I are not good picture takers. Okay, I'm I'm one that. All you see is people like this, you know, like this. I'd like to just soak it in and and then keep it up here. I think sometimes people don't enjoy the moment because they're like this all the time. And it's also because when, I, when I'm filming things, I have my hand in front of it and it's 30 seconds of my finger or what. You know what I'm saying? It, I'm just... That's any rate, but yeah, it was what you would imagine as a fairy tale wedding. Yeah, did the serve everything but the vows part and the giving away. So, yep. So. It is before he was going door to door and he has covered, oh man, you can't imagine how many places, big an area he's covered door to door. Now they're doing these um, preaching points that he mentioned last time he was here and really it has been much, much more fruitful. Um, 
there there were on a, one of the Sunday services there were 11 men this was at the church service not the preaching point there were 11 men that were there and he was excited about it they had their first communion service that that day but he shared with me that a number of those were from preaching points that came and heard and then now came came to church services so it's he said it's kind of contrary to what i thought would work but it's how god has led and it's really producing some some fruit in in the rock church um there, I was impressed. There were like five or six young men, like early twenties, um, that are really getting in and growing. Saturday morning, before we went on the preaching points, he has a book study, and those guys were there, and they're going through and discussing various books. And um, Seth is gone this weekend. They had to go to a wedding in Johannesburg. So they took us down to Johannesburg. But one of the young men is preaching in his place at that church and and is covering some of the preaching points. So that's a really good thing. Um, Seth texted us and said, we're in Johannesburg, which is a huge city, He's with friends, and we're without electricity and water. And Seth has an inverter that he's installed at his home because electricity goes out often. But they're able to keep their electricity because of the inverter. But he said in Johannesburg, we're out of water because the thieves stole the pipes, the water pipes, and then... They have to replace it. You just can't imagine the, the lawlessness in, in certain areas. So, but the preaching points is really another church. He said there were five or six that were there as a result of the preaching points. So it's really been neat how God's led there. Well, at, at the preaching points, there was about 25 to 30, and it kind of, some would come in and come in later. So it's, it's a small beginning, but it's producing some good fruit. And, of course, Seth has a vision, I'm going to go, you know, and Amy's trying to pull the reins on him a little bit, and... And so it was, it was really, really good just us visiting there for Seth and Amy and their family. So um, you had a vital part in that, but it, it's a tough ministry. They, one, one of the young boys, young men, 20s, in in his house, it's a small brick house, but Seth says the door was hanging off the hinges. And Seth said, if you'd like, 
Um, I could get you a, a screwdriver and a screw, and you could fix that. You let me know if you want that, and I'll show you how to do it. Oh, okay, you, we can do that? Yeah, yeah. He said he's never let me know. And, and Seth is very good. He's not going, he said, I never worked on this building unless there were four or five others there. He said, I'm here to teach them how to work. I'm here to teach them to be responsible. You know, Seth could go fix that door just like that, but that doesn't teach him anything. And, and so when you see such low level of... Seth was really frustrated. Um, he'd been at... He was going over these basic truths the five solas, and he said, afterwards he said, I have gone over those 50 times with these people. And, and he says, today again I ask him, God is holy and man is sinner. And who stands before God and man? And, and I heard him say, you do, Seth. And he goes, no. Adam, no, and Seth, I still picture him. He became flesh. Seth's going, he became flesh. You know, he's going like, he says, I don't get it. I mean, they don't get it, and I don't get it. Why, they don't get it. And, I mean, so it is. Your prayers for them cannot be enough. But it is, it is a Struggle, but they're seeing they're seeing fruit. They've um, they've got two, three churches up and going. Their first church has an African pastor, and it's doing well. When we say well, um, if a church there has thirty to fifty, that's well. Um, there were fifty. A good 50 there in the Rock Church, and um, so it it's good. But it it's a difference in every aspect of culture and everything. So, all right, um, you know we're talking about our salvation, and. I think sometimes we lose the the joy of our salvation that we just take it for granted. Oh, I'm saved. And and as I mentioned at the bottom here, this list came from the book by Dane Ortland, Deeper, A Real Change for Real Sinners. But in it, he brought out Words that are used that speak of our salvation in the New Testament. And, and I think it, I want us to grab these and realize, whoa, this is what God has done. It's easy. Yeah, I've been saved. And, and we lose the joy of our salvation. But justification and he uses all these as metaphors. It's a, it's a law, court deal. 
And we're no longer condemned. I mean, we were condemned. We were guilty. We were ready for the judge to bring the gavel down and nail it in judgment. But now we are no longer condemned and sanctified. And he mentions it's a cultic metaphor in the sense that it went from being defiled to no longer defiled. We were, we were vile, we were defiled, we were, and now we're no longer defiled. I mean, this is, again, all of this comes under broken. We were broken. We were condemned. We were defiled. And I love the next one. And, and the references are there so you can go back and look at them. But the adoption... It's a family metaphor. We're no longer without a family. We, and I want us to think of these in, in light of the world that we live in. We, we meet people that are, that are completely defiled. But God can make them no longer defiled. We meet people that don't have family, really. Their family's dysfunctional and broken. And God says, I want to adopt you. And I want to put you in a family. I mean, these are all aspects of ministry that we're no longer an orphan, no longer um, without family. Reconciliation, it's a relationship metaphor. Do you know how many people, their life is just filled with broken relationships? I mean, how many, how many people, parents and child, estranged from each other? I mean, we live in a world that's full of broken relationships. And Christ came to heal that, to bring, first of all, reconciliation with Him. See, that we sometimes get upset with people. Why are they seeking after this and this and this? They don't have reconciliation with God, so they're looking for something to fill that emptiness in their soul that, only God can fill. And they try to fill it with pleasure and money and fame and drugs and sex and all these other things. And we get, how can they be so stupid to do this and this and this? They need reconciliation. They're estranged from God. And then estranged from, from one another. And then another one, washing. The physical cleansing, no longer dirty. I sometimes think we don't realize how dirty we were. The Bible says, but now you are washed. Now you are clean. I mean, 
we we live in a pretty clean society. You know, the down there it wasn't very clean in certain aspects. But more importantly, to realize how filthy I was before Christ, but were washed in the blood. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood? And and that He makes me clean. I mean, every one of these, we ought to get up in the morning and maybe take one a day and say, God, thank You that I'm no longer condemned. Thank You that I'm no longer dirty. You have washed me. And and we still need His cleansing, His forgiveness. Um. Redemption, the slave market metaphor, no longer enslaved. A slave to sin. That's what we all were before Christ came. There was nothing else we could do, but we were bound as a slave to sin. Nothing would set us free, but then Christ came and... You can just imagine what what slaves when the Emancipation Proclamation came, what what they experienced, and and they experienced things we haven't because they also were filled with fear. What do I do now? But we're set free from the the domineering power of sin to a loving, kind merciful Savior, a new Master that that is made us so we're no longer enslaved. And then we have been purchased. A financial metaphor. No longer in debt. If, if you've had indebtedness and you worked and worked and worked to get out of debt, that feeling when... The last payment was made, but that's nothing in comparison to the debt that we owed and Jesus paid it all. I mean, completely paid for for everything. Um, no longer in debt. The liberation, the imprisonment metaphor, no longer imprisoned. See, if you start seeing people apart from Christ, they're, they're in a prison. I mean, they make choices, but they're still in a prison. They're still bound. And, and again, that's what... That's what we need to bring the glorious light of the gospel to that. And, and to help people um, help people see that the only way out of this situation is God. I mean, we as mankind love to finagle and plan and think and try all these things. And God in His merciful kindness allows us to try until we come to the end of ourselves and 
cry out to Him. But we can be used of God to help liberate people. And then the new birth, we went from non-existent to eternal life. I mean, nothing to having life and having life eternal. I mean, these... We were nobodies. Literally, we were nobody. But God's given us life and, and the delight of having a relationship with Him. And... Um, the reality of that, it's, it's so important for us to that we have life. Then illumination, a light metaphor, no longer blind. The, the darkness, the blindness um, of what He's done in our lives. We were staggering in darkness and... Now He's opened our eyes and made us to see and we can rejoice in that. And then the resurrection, dead. From deadness to life. And non-existent to life, deadness to life, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and I want to challenge you to take this list, and as I mentioned, take one a day and just begin by saying, God, thank you that I am no longer in debt to my sin. And, and ask God to help you rejoice in the joy of our salvation. But then I want you to think, as you meet people in your life, are they imprisoned by their passions? Do they need liberation? Are they weighed down with the debt of their sin? Are they broken because of, of uh, irreconcilable relationships? To, to see, to be like a doctor, so to speak, okay? What are the symptoms here? And what's the solution? And, and appoint them. They feel alone. They belong to no one. God wants to adopt you into His family. God has a purpose for you. I mean, they, they may be bearing the guilt of decisions they've made in their life that has defiled them. And and to say, you know, Christ has come to wash us. He can he can cleanse you of this, and give you a hope that that is buried in the depths of the deepest sea. See, so it's not so much just throwing Christ at people. It's seeing the abundance of His salvation. And, wow, this is one aspect of it, one piece of the pie that really fits in this situation. I want to I introduce them to Christ. 
and and to help them. Um, but we sometimes think of of individuals as they've got it all together. And it may look humanly, but you've seen the bumper sticker, you've heard it. When there is no God, there is no peace. When you K-N-O-W God, then you K-N-O-W peace. And we can't take it for granted that, wow, life is going good for them. It's not. If you really saw inside their heart, it is not. They're scared of death. They're scared of the future. They see their own frailty. As they, The longer they live, the more they see it. Amen. Those of you getting up in age, you see it. They try to live in denial. They put on this show of, I have all these things, but they know if, if they're one payment away from being in trouble. And they know if they get laid off today, all of this is disappearing. And there is no peace. We sometimes forget what God has saved us to. And, and we need to be reminded of this. And then to be moved with compassion for people. God's really dealing in my life because there's been... Way too many times that I look and disgust at people, and it's like, that is disgusting. How do they even live like that? And I'm glad God didn't look at me like that. That's not how God sees them. And we're living, we're living. It's always been this way, a world that it's easy for us to look with disgust at other people as believers. But we ought to be moved with compassion and pity and mercy. Um, and when, when you start to look at people that way and start thinking, okay, God, how can you use me? It changes how you how you view people, how you view circumstances. And again, it's bringing it back, putting the pen in God's hand and letting Him write it. So that, through all this, I said God has a sense of humor. Asa is young and can run, and every one of his flights went perfect. No problem whatsoever. And and yet, that God's writing the story helped me. Um, once I caught my breath, calmed down, and and you know, waiting. Those of you that have been there, waiting in airports, and and delayed an hour, then delayed another hour, then delayed another hour, and it's like, and people can get pretty irate. Um, but to, 
to be able to say, okay, God, you've got a purpose in this. I don't understand it, but what good does it do to gripe and complain? And, and yet, that's the easy thing to do. Um, and, and so, on our first, from Chicago out, it was like one o'clock in the morning, and I saw they had a policeman down by the gate. And I said, I said to Marilyn, some of the people around us, I said, that's either a good sign or a bad sign. A good sign they need security to get us on the plane, but I said it's probably a bad sign that they're going to say this flight's canceled and they want someone there to keep things in order. It, it was a bad sign. And there, no one got too upset. The other place, they did. But people are, without God, there is no hope. And so if, if it doesn't go my way and, you know, and you're not doing this, and I mean, this one lady was wound up, you know, and then it gets, starts getting other people wound up. But it does help. Okay, God. This is out of my control. You're in control. I wish I could say I did that in every situation in life. I don't. But I'm learning. And to then be moved with compassion on others. You know, to how can we help? How can we be a blessing? Even to pray for them. How can we plant a seed? And I'm, I'm excited about where God's taken us with learning our story, learning God's story, and, and how He wants to use it because it is, the only, it is the only hope. To think that, I just can't get over this, to think that on a Saturday morning people would come with a megaphone out in the country in southern Iowa, and stand and blare their megaphone at Amy Sinclair's house and calling a curse upon them. and all. I mean, people, the blindness of Satan. And it ought to do a couple things. It ought to make us pray for all our representatives. And it ought to make us realize the urgency of the hour and God is able to change people like that's lives. I mean, the Apostle Paul was persecuting Christians, not just standing with a megaphone. And God saved his life and used him. So, I have oftentimes written off people like, oh boy, I don't know they'll ever get saved. Um and yet, God is able. If we pray and take steps of action and obey, there's no telling what God can do. The power is in the Word. The power is in truth. Truth will always prevail. And that's the exciting part. So, line up with truth. Line up with truth. 
And that's the thing that keeps um, Seth and Amy going is they know it's truth. They know this has been darkness for years and years. And they really have a passion to, to reach the Sangha people. And, and not only them, there's another group that they're working on on reaching, and um, it, it it's exciting to see the fruit, but he told us too, there were a, a good young man growing and a good young lady, and they ended up getting married, and now they're having major marriage problems, and one of them doesn't come to church at all. Well, all of that weighs heavily. You know, they, in many cases, they have no idea what a marriage is. I mean, there are many in the family that have many different dads represented. They're all siblings to some degree, but many different dads. So they have no idea... Well, God has changed their life, but there's still these pulls in all the other ways. And, and so you think someone's really coming and then the bottom drops out. That, that's hard for because then you start thinking, when's the bottom going to drop out with this person? And, and um, so just to keep, keep going and then raising kids in that, society uh, we can't emphasize enough the need for for prayer in that but their kids are are doing good I mean Seth says he says my kids are clumsy oxes and um, we we took their bikes up in the back of the pickup truck up the mountain, and it, like I said, it's like a logging road. And they got on the bikes, and they're going down. Well, the oldest boy, he's really sharp intellectually, but common sense, not nah, in his stronghold. And they were just flying down there, and it was just a matter of time before they were way ahead of us in the truck, and. We come around the corner, and here comes Caleb, the oldest, riding his bike. His helmet's gone, blood all over, you know. And and he looked kind of dazed. And he says, man, Mom, good thing I had that helmet on. Because Amy's saying, get that helmet on. You know, she's always... Because Seth is like, go, boys. And Amy's saying, no, boys. And... and he goes, good thing I had that helmet on, man, that saved me, you know. And he's, she's looking at him in blood everywhere and, and his ankles swollen. And Well, what are you doing coming up? Well, I'm looking for my helmet. He wrecked and got on his bike, didn't know his helmet was off, and went 100 meters down the road before someone said, where's your helmet? Oh, I don't know where my helmet is. So that, you can pray for Seth and Amy, <laughs> But nothing surprises every one of their kids have broken bones, okay? And Amy said, should we let 
our boys climb trees. They're asking us. And I said, well, yeah. And Seth said, see, we shouldn't. But every time they do, they break a bone. Well, I don't have any opinion on that. You know what I mean? But um, it's just that adds to it. And um, then there's difficulties in you get an African pastor and trying to get them up and going and you can't imagine the culture differences. But God is working. They are encouraged, although there's many highs and lows. They are encouraged. And I was just, I was just overwhelmed to think um, there are people there that are going to be in heaven because one time a Bible time evangelist came and led Bible time here and we developed a relationship and then he followed the call of God to go to South Africa and and you have faithfully given and prayed for them and to me that was just incredible that wow God is at work worldwide and and to see see young men and women um, there that have hope in life now I mean you can't imagine there is no hope there what are you going to do with your life you know, sit around the fire and cook whatever I can and but they have hope. But the problem is, you get people up and going, then they go to the city, and it just leaves the, this may sound crass, but it leaves the lower echelon right there in the village. And, any rate, I, I kept asking him, how do these people live? Well, the government gives them, I don't know how much, each person $30 a month or something like that. I don't know, not much, but it's just mind-boggling. Well, there are people that go to the city and work, and they'll bring money home. Or they work, one of the boys is a young man, is now a builder because he learned how to build with Seth at this church. But he, he gets like $5 a day. So, I don't know what you... And Seth's teaching another boy, another couple of the young men... Seth got him set up in raising chickens and selling the chickens, and um, that's that's going pretty good. So it's given this this guy some sustenance and teaching him that it can go on after Seth's gone or whatever. So um, they've done two or three batches of chickens that they've raised and and are able to sell. Um, but 
So you, you have to teach them how to work and how to do it. And it's not just teaching them the Bible. But he's God's man for there, that's for sure. Let's pray. Lord, we do realize the great calling you've given us to represent you here. And we're reminded of the Myers representing you there. And so, Lord, we need your intervention. Every one of us have people we're burdened for. And, and honestly, we think, how do we get the gospel to them? Or we may think they're, they're not interested at all. But, Lord, you've raised us up to be watchmen. And I pray that with the compassion of you, we would have wisdom to represent you well, and that there would be joy in heaven because individuals come to salvation. Lord, thank you for this glorious salvation that you've given us, that we are washed and reconciled and adopted. And and Lord, that you have raised us from deadness to life. We can't thank you enough. So we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.